0: This is VOCM News Talk. Call 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626. The views and opinions of this program are not necessarily those of this station. Here's VOCM News Talk host, Linda Swain.
1: It's Monday, you know what that means. Good afternoon, everyone. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon. As you may have heard earlier, Linda uh, was uh, hosting Open Line earlier, so this afternoon for News Talk, I am filling in. uh, Not the greatest of afternoons out there, unless you're a snow lover, in which case it's a fantastic afternoon. Um, Fonz King is producing the program today. Hello, Fonz. It's a
0: pleasure to be here. I feel like I haven't been here in a year. It's been a while. I don't know (laughs) when the last time, but it feels like it's been a long time.
1: You know what? It it feels great to have you back. And actually, earlier I saw you walking into the building. I said, geez, I haven't seen Fonz and it seems like forever. So it's good to have you back here on the program. Nice to be here. And uh, yeah, it's it's a snowy and, and kind of a weird weather day out mm-hmm. there because uh, I was looking at the forecast, or early morning forecast, and we were saying that it was only supposed to be flurries this afternoon, but uh, very clearly much more than that. And
0: then a change to two to four centimeters. We exceeded that a long time ago. Mm-hmm. There's definitely more than four centimeters down. Uh, I did get a call just a little while ago from uh, somebody out running errands. And I, actually, I should say, I've gotten a couple of calls and people saying they're not Seeing the plows, and I, I can't. Be- I want to believe that they're out there. You're just not seeing them. It's like you're probably too young. It's Pokaroo. It's, it's the the it the plows are out there. You just don't see them. Just take your time. You'll be fine.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I was just uh, uh, about a half an hour ago. I took a walk through our parking lot here here at uh, VOCM, and and yeah, the snow was up there in, in our parking lot, and I saw um, numbers from Kelly Butt, meteorologist uh, on Twitter, just before we went on the air. Uh, Seven centimeters so far has fallen in St. John's. So, yeah, uh, maybe a little bit unexpected. Uh, Like I said, the forecast up until at least this morning was only supposed to be a bit of flurries for this afternoon. So a little bit of unexpected slow. But as Fawn said, if you drive a little bit slow, adjust your driving a little bit, you'll be okay. Right. Arrive alive, VOCM cares. That's right. Um, We have a packed show for you today. There's a a lot going on in the news world. Uh, But first, I want to draw your attention to today's VOCM question of the day. Um, today we're asking would you support the full implementation of nationwide pharmacare regardless of the cost to taxpayers And the results so far here on uh, vocm.com 63% saying no they would not support that uh, 37% uh, percent saying that they would so if you have an opinion on that uh, still loads of time throughout the day head on over to vocm.com uh, and you can have your uh, say on today's question of the day and um, All right, so uh, first up uh, today, uh, we got in early this morning and uh, one of the first news items that came through was that the Association of Allied Health Professionals has ratified its collective agreement with government. Uh, The AHP, of course, walked away from conciliation with government in mid-January and there were talks of a strike and they were saying that they were mobilizing their members and that they were getting... Things ready for that, uh, but then a tentative deal was reached on February 9th. and now that uh, has been ratified with 88% of membership voting in favor for it. Uh, VOCM's Allison King reached Union President Gord Piercy a little while ago to get his take.
2: Gord Piercy, you guys ratified your collective agreement with government. It was a uh, contentious path to get here. Just tell us a little bit about the uh, the deal being reached.
3: Well, uh, we, we're pleased that we got a four-year contract. Uh, we, we've got that uh, solidified now for our membership. Uh, so uh, the tentative agreement, we had um, over 88% of our voting members who uh, who endorsed the contract. And uh, really, really pleased that, you know, we can get this moving forward. Uh, we think it does a lot to stabilize the health care system. We know we got some more work to be done. Uh, but we do have a path to uh, strengthening the health care system and our members' role in it.
2: Um, so 88% of your membership have uh, accepted that and, and you're moving forward now. Can you just speak to some of the things that your members um, have been saying about the new the new deal?
3: Well, our members, I think we're, overall we're very pleased. Um, it doesn't solve everything for everyone in the membership, but it does provide something for everyone. And uh, it's a good first step for us. We do, we've had a lot of humps and hurdles, and it gives us a good place to kind of start problem solving and, uh, and coming to some resolutions uh, that have been plaguing us for a little a, a while.
2: And when it comes to um, some of the highlights of the agreement, a 2% wage increase uh, for each year for four years, a one-time employee recognition bonus, can you just speak to some of those pieces that moved your members forward into accepting the deal?
3: Well, those were some things that were very consistent with with the rest of the provincial public service. We did get a few. uh, We did get some other things as well that was supportive uh, for the membership. So we have a uh, we have a wage supplement there that is based on a step progression model that will assist our members in transitioning to a new permanent wage grid, that is a significant piece for us and our membership that we're, we're very pleased to be able to have delivered to them because it's going to be the beginning of resolving some of the problems we had with the job evaluation system.
2: Where do you want to go from here?
3: Well, we have language in this collective agreement that supports the building of a new permanent wage grid that we're we want to address the unique, um, the unique pieces of allied health professionals and uh, and the pieces that they need addressed in, uh, in equitable pay. So, we this is a piece that we're really really pleased about. And uh, going forward, there will be an engagement level with government to try to build that and make that work. It's one of the first. Times where a union and a government has actually worked, you know, where we have this established to build a wage grid together that will address the unique, um, unique, uniqueness of our membership.
2: And will that wage grid look similar to other professions um, within healthcare? Can you just speak to, to what you're looking for?
3: It will. It will. It will uh, recognize that. Of course, we we do want it to kind of address some of the nuances that uh, health professionals bring. So uh, we are pleased. We think that's a great place for us to address some of the the final nuances we need to kind of build off of there. And uh, from there, we'll you know that will give us what uh, what we need to move forward. So it's a significant significant win for our membership. And I think it's going to do a lot for. It's going to do a lot to help us with the retention efforts and recruitment capacity.
2: Yeah, and and of course that's what you guys are looking to do is, is keep professionals here. I know you've had that issue in the past. Does does your membership now feel that they're in line with um others in the healthcare profession?
3: I think so. We're 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 getting good responses from the membership around that. So they they appear to be pleased, and of course, an eighty percent, eighty eight percent endorsement rate of the contract certainly speaks well to that as well. So I think there. are, You know, we do know we have a few things that we still need to sort, and uh, and the permanent wage grid is going to go a long way in addressing that. <laughs>
2: And of course, this um, this process was um, difficult for you guys to to work with government for a little bit there at the beginning of this year. Do you have confidence that government will um, move forward with you guys in a productive way to uh, to make that wage grid?
3: Well, it, we have very strong language in the collective agreement that supports that this this piece of work needs to happen around the new permanent wage grid. So we are we're very confident of that it's embedded in our new collective agreement. So we're very pleased, and you know we're we're really also glad that they've listened. It it, it took a little bit of time, uh, you know we it, it was you know it was a process, but we did get there, and uh, you know we are looking forward, and, and we're hearing from them that they want to. This is a great time to resolve some of these problems that have existed. And uh, we're really looking forward to moving forward with them on that. I'm just, I just want to say a nice thank you as well to to our, our negotiating team, to our members who are very mobilized, uh, very invested in this. And we also got great interest from the general public. So we're also quite appreciative of that. And uh, it was great that people were, were willing to hear our story and, and what, we needed to, uh, what we needed to address.
1: And there you have it. That's the president of the Association of Allied Health Professionals. That's Gord Piercy speaking with VOCM's Allison King about the new collective agreement that was just ratified with government. All right. uh, Just before we take a break, I I just I was looking uh, through X or formerly Twitter, uh, Twitter, and uh, while it may be a winter wonderland out in St. John's right now, uh, there's someone that actually just posted pictures of tulips uh, growing up alongside their house, not sure where in the province east too but just goes to show that you know what spring is around the corner around mm-hmm. the corner i was i was just going through the traffic cams because i got
0: uh, traffic coming up uh, with the 4:30 news and uh, everywhere else off the avalon it looks like a pretty nice day some damp roads but it's only really on northeast avalon and uh, i guess out around saint mary's and uh, well okay most of the avalon we'll call it the avalon <laughs> yeah. is snow covered and slippery everywhere else is damp to beautiful
1: Well, there you go. (laughs) Clearly, this guy, Jim, who posted those pictures, they are not on the Avalon right now because it looks absolutely gorgeous. We're there, too. West Coast looks great. (laughs) West Coast, of course. Right. (laughs) All right. And uh, we're going to take a break now here on VOCM News Talk. When we come back, uh, the Registered Nurses Union is going to be holding a rally outside of Confederation Building tomorrow at noon. Uh, Our new president, Yvette Coffey, was on VOCM Open Line this morning. We'll take you back to that conversation coming up up after this. Stay
0: informed and have your say on the news of the day with your VOCM. Join Linda Swain weekday afternoons from 4 to 5 p.m. for an hour of talk and discussion with decision makers and listeners like you. News talk on your VOCM.
1: And welcome back to the program. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon. Well, the Registered Nurses Union has a rally scheduled uh, for outside of Confederation Building tomorrow. Uh, our new president, Yvette Coffee was on VOCM open line this morning to tell us about uh, what it is that uh, they're going to be asking for, uh, why they're holding the rally. And we're going to take it back to that clip now.
4: Well, tomorrow we are, uh, we've are just put out a media advisory. We'll, we'll be hosting a rally at Confederation. Building. Um, we'll be rallying to demand government stop privatizing health care and demand that the Auditor General investigate the massive amounts of dollars that have been poured and continue to be poured into the pockets of private businesses who are only concerned with maximi- maximizing their profits
5: we had a call uh, earlier in the show i'm not sure if you heard it or not uh, from a retired nurse now she's retired for quite some time but she was saying that her own uh, daughters had to leave the province back in the 1990s because there were no nursing positions to be had uh so they left the system and i'm sure many other nurses besides left the system and now we're finding in our, ourselves in this place now where a lot of nurses are uh retiring or aging out of the system so to speak and uh filling those gaps um with these um, uh, travel agency nurses. You've uh, touched on this for a long time now. Uh, where, What are the solutions? Well, we've already offered some solutions, and one of them we're working on. One
4: um, is a travel locum that includes our public service um, unionized nurses, which we have with Labrador. We have a pilot ongoing now. It's been uh, well over a year and a half. We've actually just extended it while we're doing the evaluation. Uh, And what it is, is nurses in Newfoundland and Labrador have the opportunity to apply for and go to Labrador for minimum of two weeks, and they'll get paid an extra $25 an hour, which still does not put them up to the $80 to $120 an hour that agency nurses uh, are making. That's what they're actually making. Companies are making well over $300 an hour. Um, for each agency nurse they provide to Newfoundland and Labrador. So that's one solution. It's been working. Uh, we're just waiting on the final evaluation. Uh, but it's actually a very, is a more cost-efficient uh, way to staff the vacancies in Labrador region or, you know, hard to recruit areas. Uh, we've also talked about expanding that to the whole province in rural and remote areas. Um, but we need to get that evaluation done first. One of the other things um, that we have talked about is um, putting a cap on the length of time a particular agency nurse can work in this province, just like out in Nova Scotia. And uh, Nova Scotia has a cap, I believe it's, um, I don't know, it's 60 days or six months, I think it's 60 days that an agency nurse can actually work in the province. And the reason we're asking for that, we're hearing the stories of agency nurses who've been working here now for two years. They've actually bought houses and then rent them out to the RHA, uh, to the health authority, uh, for other agency nurses while they're here. So a lot of people are making a big profit off the taxpayers' dollars of Newfoundland and Labrador.
5: So your rally is uh, tomorrow at Confederation Building. What time? Uh, 12 noon. Um, you know, one of the other things is we'd like an
4: investigation into a thing of contract to Canadian health labs. And, of course, um, to look into how $1.6 million was paid to this company for meals for these agency nurses, and they did not see that. And in actual fact, we ended up sending uh, paying them $100 per day per deems um, to assist with their uh, meals and that And we would also like to ensure, and I know there's been some controversy this week about uh, students coming out saying they haven't been offered permanent full-time positions uh, and that recruiters were going back in. Um, I think government and the health authorities need to be more uh, consistent with their approach and the information that they're giving to student nurses. Yes, there's some of it that is, yeah, you're offered a permanent job in Goose Bay. No, my family's here. I don't want to move to Goose Bay. I want a permanent job in St. John's or in Cornerbrook, whatever. Yes, that's part of it. But also um, look at being more um, open and transparent with all the incentives that are being offered. Because I think there's we have fell down on the job in Newfoundland and Labrador and that students don't actually know what the bonuses and incentives are for these rural remote um, and Labrador regions, um, and that that needs to be disclosed to them early on in year four when they're selecting where they're going to be applying for positions and that. So we need to be listening and working with students. and one of the big things for me is nurse practitioners. You know, I've been since August, since we got our collective agreement and signed it, um, talking to government about having nurse practitioners paid to the level that they should be paid um, and working on doing a joint um, process to get them up on the classification scale. Um, I just feel like I'm going two steps, one step forward, two steps back with that process. It's been over six months and it's time to call spade spade. Um, If you're really interested and committed to working with us on this Uh so something has to be done in a last quicker and more concrete manner for
1: us. And that is the president of the Registered Nurses Union, Yvette Coffey, on VOCM Open Line earlier today, speaking with Linda Swain about this rally that they have uh, scheduled for tomorrow uh, during the lunch hour. It starts at 12 noon at Confederation Building and will last until about 1230, uh, calling for action on, uh, on, uh, on, on numerous issues that are facing the um, – <clears throat> on the nursing profession, including of uh, that uh, Globe and Mail article that was uh, uh, released last week talking about the thir- over $35 million that was paid out to a company for agency nursing in uh, a five-month period. That's part of it. Um, and they want the Auditor General to come in and have a look at all of that. Uh, so that's taking place tomorrow at noon. Uh, coming up after the break here on uh, News Talk here on VOCM, we're going to speak with uh, 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 Health Minister Tom Osborne born, and he's going to respond to some of the concerns that uh, that have been raised by Yvette Coffey. That's coming up uh, just after uh, the news at 4.30 with Sarah Strickland. Uh, we have a couple minutes here now, and just want to reiterate, uh, the snow has been consistently falling uh, here in the metro region since about 11 o'clock this afternoon, um, and I just saw a video posted uh, by someone going through Mount Pearl, and the roads are pretty slick. So again, just want to remind everyone, keep your speeds down and watch out because especially when the snow, when the roads are like this and, uh, you know, especially if the plows haven't had a really good chance to get at it, it uh, doesn't matter what kind of snow tires you have on. Uh, you're going to be sliding if you're not careful. So it's uh, important to watch out for that.
0: Yeah, increase the braking distance between yourself and the car in front of you. Be sure to turn on your headlights, too. We did get a call. Mm-hmm. I, I was just listening to a couple of the voicemails, and we did get a call from a, a VOCM listener out on the outer ring road saying it is— is a parking lot out there. Traffic is moving really, really slow and uh, just remind motorists to turn on their headlights. And I, I did get this call as well.
6: Between Larkow Street and Forburn Road, the car is off the road, center medium. Traffic is backed up uh, both directions, uh, including Clinch Crescent around the hospital. Um, it's kind of hard to take alternate route, but uh, traffic is backed up there. The car is lodged in the middle of the uh, medium. Uh, Salt so trucks are out, and the uh,
2: plow has been through, but the roads are still very slippery. Take
0: no, care. I, thank you. Yeah
1: yes take your time yeah absolutely it's better to to drive slow and be a few minutes late than uh, you know to end up off the road in the ditch somewhere and the other important thing Fonz, you mentioned uh people should have their headlights on another important thing on a day like today is make sure that your whole vehicle is cleared off oh yeah um i i see so many people to go you know they'll just clear off their windshield but they won't touch the top of the vehicle or even sometimes the back window and while that may not be uh, a hindrance to you if if you're going down the road, and that right. snow comes flying off the back of your car, and it, it could end up blinding the uh, the car behind you, or it could end up hitting a pedestrian. So it's important to make sure that that uh, your entire vehicle is cleared off, and not just sections of it.
0: Yeah, so clear off the roof, the hood, the windshields, the side uh, windows, the back window, and don't forget to clear off the headlights. Absolutely. And the taillights.
1: <laughs> you want to be
0: seen and be able to see. It's, it's, not, it's not rocket science, and once again, we live in newfoundland where the snow has been following non-stop since i don't know the th- dawn of time <laughs> yeah it's like there's f- 42 feet of snow vertically on my
1: front lawn so yeah, yeah. But back back when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth and the earth was extremely hot there was still snow in newfoundland there was <laughs> All right, there you have it, folks. Uh, we're just up on news time here now with Sarah Strickland. Uh, we'll hear from Health Minister Tom Osborne coming up after the news.
0: Nutrition, exercise, keeping the cold at bay. Whatever keeps you feeling great. The Wellness and Healthy Lifestyle Show on your V O C M.
1: And welcome back to the show. Uh, so earlier, uh, before the break, we heard from the uh, president of the Registered Nurses Union of Coffey, Coffee about their rally tomorrow at Confederation Building. Now we're going to speak with Health Minister Tom Osborne uh, who has gone on the record calling the use of agency nurses a necessary evil. Uh, He speaks with VOCM's Linda Swain.
5: Well Minister Osborne the registered nurses union planning a rally outside Confederation Building to uh, express their concerns about the um, money spent on agency nurses in Newfoundland and Labrador. What's your response?
6: Uh, I share many of their concerns. Uh, I have long been on the record, uh, in fact, uh, have said many times in the media that I have. Uh, concerns with agency nursing um, that we are recruiting uh, to try to ensure we have enough nurses that we can return to pre-pandemic levels of uh, agency nursing. Agency nursing is something that's been in Canada and certainly in this province for uh, several decades um, in the most rural and remote areas, but the reliance has increased on agency nursing. So I have I share the concerns of the Registered Nurses Union um, You know, it does have an impact on morale of our permanent health care providers. When they have uh, agency staff working side by side at a different rate of pay, Uh, the registered nurses in this province are absolutely committed to the Provincial Health Authority. They are committed to the delivery of health care for Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. Uh, They are there to provide health care. Um, And, you know, having an agency nurse making more money or, you know, not uh, being as dedicated to the location they're in or to the the people of the province raises concerns for me. Uh, So I share many of the concerns that the registered nurses union are raising.
5: $35 over a five-month period. How would that compare to, you know, if the system was uh, adequately staffed?
6: The, the funding used for agency nursing is another reason I have a major concern. Um, you know, that $35 million, some of that, if we had permanent nursing staff, would be used for the permanent nursing staff. But the amount paid to agencies is considerably higher than we would pay to our permanent nursing staff. That money can be used in other areas of healthcare delivery. Um, it can be used for many other reasons uh, in the delivery of healthcare, which is, you know, so the, the the concern about morale of our permanent nurses, the concern about having uh, such a large expenditure when that money uh, could be used and is vital for other areas of health care uh, and, and the provision of health care in the province. So, you know, I have and continue to say that I am uh, concerned with agency nursing and I want to see a, an end to agency nursing at, at least the pre-pandemic levels. I have uh, been vocal with my federal and provincial counterparts, the ministers of health across the country, in the need to find solutions to get out of agency nursing. Um, I've also said it's a necessary evil. Right now, if we were to just, you know, flick a switch and end agency nursing today, you would see emergency departments across the province closed and on diversion uh, and services shut down. So, you know, it's not as simple as saying, we are going to end it today. We need to recruit and ensure that we have enough nurses in the province to continue to provide the vital services uh, that are needed throughout the province. But one of the things I have written to the Comptroller General uh, in the province to ask for a review um, of the uh, controls and procedures that are in place and the measures that are in place in the province, uh, in the provincial health authority to ensure that uh, the contracts that are in place are being followed to the letter of the contract uh, to ensure that controls are in place to ensure that the funding that is uh, is spent is being spent according to the contract and that uh, there are procedures to ensure that uh, uh, everything is appropriate. Uh, there are two issues here. One is the cost of agency nursing, uh, which is appalling and, quite frankly, not acceptable. Uh, The other is whether or not uh, the controls and measures and procedures are in place to ensure that the contracts that were entered into are being followed to the letter of the contract. And there are not expenditures on extras outside of the contract uh, that were not agreed to. So I'm asking the Comptroller General to do a review. Uh, the Comptroller General is well positioned to do this work. Uh, they have professional services and internal audit mechanisms uh, that can provide assurance uh, as to whether or not the controls and measures and procedures were in place. Uh, to protect the uh, the people of the province in terms of the contractual arrangements. Uh, outside of that is the cost of agency nursing, which I am totally appalled with and uh, want to see an end uh, to the agency nursing. So two issues. One is the cost, and the other is whether or not the contractual arrangements that were entered into uh, back in Uh, at the height of the pandemic, um, you know, in 2021 or 22, that those contracts are being followed to the letter of the
1: contract.
5: Minister Osborne, I do appreciate your time. Thank you.
6: My pleasure. Thank you very much.
1: There you go. And that was Health Minister Tom Osborne speaking with VOCM's Linda Swain in response to some of the concerns that have been raised by the Registered Nurses Union. Again, they're having a rally uh, tomorrow afternoon at Confederation Building. Uh, I know we keep mentioning this, but uh, we keep getting calls. So it bears repeating uh, that the roads are really nasty out there right now. Folks in the metro region, uh, they are slick. The snow has been falling since about 11 o'clock uh, this morning. So again, it bears repeating. Uh, drives slow, drive carefully, and everyone will arrive home uh, for supper alive and well this evening. Alright, we're going to take a break now here on VOCM and uh, when we come back uh, we're going to speak uh, with the education minister as well as the president of the NLTA. Don't go away, this is News Talk on VOCM. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland show. Send your request to irish NL at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com and welcome back to the program. Richard Duggan in with you this afternoon. And, well, uh, last week the provincial government heard the perspectives of uh, some of the province's educators on the challenges that they face in schools and in classrooms uh, through the form of a teacher's think tank. Uh, and among the concerns that were raised was the mental health and wellness of teachers. Education Minister Chrystia Howell and NLTA President uh, Trent Langdon spoke with me earlier about what they heard.
7: Well, we were very pleased with the engagement that we had uh, around the think tank, even leading up to it. Um, we had over 2,200 responses to our survey, teachers that wanted to have a say, wanted their voice heard. And then when we got to the think tank, uh, we had the opportunity to listen to the lived experiences of teachers all across the province, administrators, those in IRT roles with different experiences and different challenges presented. It was uh, a very informative day. It was at times very heavy and, and frank conversations, um, but it was important that we heard those things from uh, the teachers themselves and that they had the opportunity to
1: voice their concerns to us. Trent, I'll bring you in now. What were some of your big takeaways?
8: Well, similar to what the minister had said there, it was It was finally an opportunity for uh our policymakers to hear right from the mouths of our teachers. Uh, we've been saying for years as an association that the the, uh, the system is under pressure, it's it's very heavy, and uh, really it's been a deterioration over many years, decades I would argue, that we've come to a point now where we're ultimately at a, at a breaking point in many, in many angles. So to hear directly from the mouths of teachers, we had seven people give their lived experience On the other side of it as well, uh, there were 2,200 surveys sent back by teachers. That's uh, uh, approximately a third of our membership took the time to do a survey. So that's quite significant. So the information uh, gained within the survey as well as the think tank and and the small groups, obviously, within the think tank, Um, we had uh, on that day uh, uh, 50 plus members on on the line. So it it was very beneficial.
1: Mr. Howell, I know that when this think tank was first announced, I believe, last uh, December, I I know that one of the criticisms at the time was that, you know, there's already been so much done in terms of uh, looking into the challenges. Was there anything, any new perspectives that you gained from doing this? What, What new did you learn out of this?
7: Well, I think it was important that the teachers had a chance to voice their concerns. And, you know, we didn't garner um, anything brand new or nothing that we hadn't had a conversation about recently uh, with, with many of our teachers, with our partners at the NLTA, but they were able to impress the urgency of the situation and how critical it was that right now we make these decisions. We have to make changes because of the pressures that they are feeling in their classrooms and how things are happening in our education system. So it was very um, very enlightening to hear it from the teachers themselves because, you know, we have anecdotally heard these things and uh, you know, stories get passed on through whatever means that they do. But when you hear it directly from the teachers who are so passionate and so driven to see change and to see positive things happen in the lives of the students in our classrooms. It's, it's emphatic, and it certainly makes, um, makes a case for change. And, you know, we've people will say we've heard it before, we have reports, or we've had this information, but I think that's doing a disservice to the challenges that teachers have faced in recent years. There's been nothing like this nothing like a pandemic, nothing like a post-pandemic world where students are trying to find their way, where teachers are trying to adapt. So it's not fair to say that we have that information already or we already know all of these things. This is a, a new age. The ground has shifted underneath us. Students are different now than they've been years before. So I think it's very important that we hear directly from the teachers, how it is their lives have been impacted, how their teaching has been impacted and how their students are doing and how their lives have been impacted.
1: And there you have it. That was Education Minister and Howell along with NLTA President Trent Trent Langdon uh, speaking about the uh, Teachers Think Tank that was held in the capital city last week. And you can hear more of that conversation, by the way, uh, tomorrow morning on your VOCM Mornings. Uh, Before we get into our next piece here, just want to mention that uh, today's snowfall is – is uh, causing the city of St. John's to change up some of their plans for this evening. Uh, Due to today's snowfall, snow removals and street widening operations are canceled for tonight. Uh, So those are supposed to take place overnight between 11 PM and tomorrow morning at 6 AM. So all that's canceled uh, because crews are contending with the current snowfall and uh, Fonz King uh, has uh, more.
0: Knights of Columbus, bingo St. Kevin's in the ghoul canceled tonight. Uh, just so you know, there's no bingo at St. Kevin's in the Ghouls because of the poor weather. I'm just going through the emails now. I think that's the only real cancellation that I got for tonight. Now, I did get a call, of course, on the snow. I'm getting lots of calls. But, uh, yeah, somebody traveling to Pits Memorial. Oh, hold on now. It helps when I hit all the correct buttons. I
7: just wanted to give you a a little bit of a road report. I am traveling on, I'm held over there now. I'm on Pitts Memorial Drive. It's not great. One lane is okay, but the passing lane is not good at all. So uh, just be aware of that. And anybody who's commuting home, uh, really take your time because the roads are not good.
0: Yeah, it's one thing for two guys inside the radio station to say that yeah. the roads aren't good. But, yeah, somebody pulled over on Pitts Memorial. Yeah, the roads are not good.
2: Listen yeah, to and, them.
1: And we're hearing lots of that. We're hearing uh, people are calling in and, and even, like, friends and family are calling us saying, hey, the roads aren't great. Um, so, folks, uh, you know. Just, just uh, use your common sense out there today, and slow down. And uh, everyone should get home uh, safe and sound this evening. If, even if it is 15 or 20 minutes behind schedule. That's right. So there you go. All right. Uh, moving on now. Um The independent MHA for the Bay of Islands is calling on the premier to get involved in the controversy surrounding the redfish quotas in the Gulf of St. Lawrence. Eddie Joyce spoke with Linda Swain on VOCM Open Line this morning. Here's what he had to say.
9: No plants available, the machinery is not in place to uh, process redfish. And most people that you speak to in Newfoundland and Labrador say uh, even um, even all the the union people, the government people, the federal, uh, say they were blindsided by, by this decision.
5: And there are even suggestions now that the federal government might be providing money to help them build boats in Nova Scotia to, to persecute this first fishery?
9: I, I haven't heard that, but it wouldn't surprise me because there was a great lobbying effort by the... Uh, uh, by the government of Nova Scotia and the MPs and the federal minister uh, in Nova Scotia for that, and and this is affecting a lot of uh, like the boat owners um, in uh, Anchor Point, um, Porterswa, uh, all that area, uh, especially with the shrimp boats, where now the shrimp was cut so much that would give them the opportunity to catch uh, catch a lot of fish. I, I'm not here, Linda, this morning to um, to criticize the government, the provincial government, uh, on what they're doing, because I'm sure behind the scenes. There's work that's, that's being done on this. But over my years in government, if you really want an issue brought to the forefront, you need the premier out in front. We haven't heard anything from the Premier on this. I'm not sure what he's doing behind the scenes with it, but I'll just use a good example, the carbon tax. The Premier got out front and center on the carbon tax. And when you have a Premier of the province out front and center, picking up for, for, for all, the, all the fisher people in Newfoundland and Labrador, and I, I just want to point out there's three plants in Hummer Bay of that's going to be affected three fish plants. Hundreds and hundreds of jobs being affected by this. This is why it's so crucial to the Humber Bay of Islands, the Cornbrook area, plus to, to all the bone owners. If the Premier is out front and center, he's going to bring the Prime Minister involved. Once the Prime Minister involved, there has to be a new set of eyes looked at it. Uh, there's going to be meetings coming up next week, I think three or four days in Halifax to decide on the distribution of the quota. So I'm urging the Premier, and, and this is by no means saying that there's not work being done by the minister behind the scenes. I'm not saying that. I, I'm not inferring that whatsoever. But what I am saying, when you get the union, uh, when you get the uh, plant owners and you get the boat owners, you get Nova, uh, you get uh, New Brunswick, and you get other, uh, other people in PEI all come together saying this decision is wrong, we have to change it. And the person that we need out front is the Premier, Andrew Fury, to highlight this to the Prime Minister of Canada, there was a better lobbying than in Nova Scotia um, uh, for for having the quota uh, distributed the way it was. And now with the meetings coming up next week, I'm asking the Premier on behalf of of all the all the shrimp boat owners, all the people who's affected on the north shore and the um, northern plains, all the people who's going to be affected in the Humber Bay of Alms with the three plan. all the closures that may happen with the boats because they still got their uh, bills to pay with with no shrimp. I'm asking the Premier of province to come out front and centre on this here and bring this to a higher level to the Prime Minister's desk. And the only way to do that is the Premier of province. And I'm sure uh, the Minister Lovelace is doing his job on it. I'm sure at the rally um, that, that was held that the union came together. The union is doing their part on it also. But, Premier, we need you front and centre. We need you in front of the people uh, that's affected by this here, and support all the plant workers, and support all the boat owners that are so uh, wrongly affected by this decision.
5: the The union called it a punch in the guts. I mean, so many people were really looking uh, towards this redfish um, quota as 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 you know their salvation, if you will, not salvation per se, but if you know what I mean. Um, you know, they were. Desperately looking for an answer, and um, felt that redfish was it, and that's turned out not to be the case.
9: And then there's a part of it: if you speak to all those individuals that were involved, this blindsided them all. They all—they're all, they're all red, uh, led to believe that the decision was that New Flame would get a higher proportion of that quota. So so this is not where one person against the other said Newfoundland. This is where all people in Newfoundland and Labrador who was involved with the redfish felt that they were misled, on the quota allocations, so this is not just plant owners against the uh, the boat owners. This is not the boat owners ag- against the owners of the fish plants. This is everybody who who felt this way, and 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 I know Minister Hutchings and uh, uh, got to come out and say, well, did she know? Did she know? And, and I'm I'm willing to bet. I'm honestly willing to bet that she did not know that the quota was coming down this way. I am convinced. And the other thing about it, um, there's a two uh, 25,000 ton quota. The science shows that there's a 275,000 uh, uh, that you could allocate, but they're going on to conserve this 25,000 um, ton quota. That's what the minister stated. But there's room there to maneuver on this here. And, and my point is next week is when the allocation, and when they, when they got the people involved next week for the recommendations for the allocations. This is the week that we need the premier to bring this to a new level. This is the week. This is the week that the prime minister got to say was this decision right and were the people in Newfoundland and Labrador misled misled by the potential quota they thought, and all the, all the lobbying that they did and all the meetings that they had, did they, uh, w- was this change from what was recommended and what was what was said to the people of Newfoundland and Labrador, and Minister Hutchings and the Premier can meet with the Prime Minister and get this resolved. And We need that, because we're talking hundreds of jobs, we're talking about a lot of people uh, down in Anchor Point and Northern Plains with the shrimp boats who may lose their boats lose may lose everything that they work for because now the quarters cut so much one trip one one trip one of those big boats now to take three quarters of a load shrimp is finished that's all the quarters cut so much so so we must ask the uh, premier to promise to personally get involved and take the lead and he will up the ante for the people of newfoundland and labrador and the people of the west coast on this redfish
1: And there you have it. MHA Eddie Joyce is going to have the last word here on News Talk today. Uh, That pretty much does it for us here today. Uh, Once again, just want to mention the roads are awful out there. So please be safe when you're driving home tonight. Yes. And thank you, everybody
0: who called in to tell us that the roads were awful. Uh, The plows have been out. We have I've had people call and say that they've gotten sightings of the plows out on the road. So the plows are out there. They just might not have been where you are yet. Uh, Remember to turn on your headlights and watch the space in front of the vehicle in front of you. So you don't end up having a more worse day by having to exchange insurance
1: information. There you have it, Fonz King uh, (laughs) summarizing it perfectly
2: for us.
1: (laughs) All right, folks, that does it for us here on News Talk today. Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye for now.